the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. That's right. This is the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here in studio. Minicamp is behind us. It's in the rear view, which means that one thing is ahead, EA, and that is training camp today on the official Jets pod. We got a good show. It's just me and EA. You know, no guests. Wait, what do you mean it's just me and EA? It's just us. <laughs> Typically, we've had a guest. Now it's just us, and we're breaking down the team position by position after minicamp, what we've learned, what we expected coming into OTAs in minicamp, maybe some guys that caught our eyes, and then after that, we're going to talk about what transpires between now and training camp, and then... What I've learned so far is oh, that oh, after good. one okay, of the yeah. coldest March marches in recent memory... It's finally heating up. And I love it. The dog days of summer, I'm a dog guy. So heat it up for me. <laughs> you you like humidity? Oh, I don't mind it. I like training in it. But you like humidity? Like you like the feeling of stepping outside and feeling like you have to sweat already? I like going outside and feeling like the sauna. Oh, yeah. But that, yeah, but there's a difference between dry heat and humidity. Like I like the dry heat when you go out and you know it's hot and you might need to put some sunblock on or else you're going to be red by the time you come back in. But when it's humid, to me, it's disgusting. What are you taking shots at uh, uh, my Irish fair skin by saying <laughs> you're going to go in outside and come back red? Listen, I would. T- I, no, I would too. No, I, I would come back red too. No, you have a darker complexion than me. Okay. You, 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 don't, you don't get too burned, I don't think. I get burned back of my neck. Okay. But well. not, not that anyone cares about that. Nobody does. And Todd, uh, let me tell you something. Todd Bowles would sign up for this weather in a heartbeat if he could get it for training camp. Yeah, but he's also crazy considering he wears longs and longs on the sidelines during training camp. In the heat. Yeah. I well, know why. I know why I w- a lot of the coaches do it, but it's crazy to me. Okay. <laughs> so why? Well, it, it, isn't, it, isn't it a, a tactic to lose weight, to sweat more? I think some for some people it is. I don't know if everybody out there with sweatshirts – and long pants are necessarily trying to lose weight. I don't know the method to the madness. But, yes, certainly you can lose a lot of pounds out there in water weight. But I just think that's water weight. Don't you just put it right back on? Probably. But I, I feel like coaches in training camp don't have a lot of time to themselves. So that would be that's like their workout. You just sweat. Well, I'll tell you what, what was recently revealed in One Jets Drive, the Facebook Watch series that our production crew has been putting together on the first installment was Todd Bowles gets in and starts working out at 422. So if he continues to do that, mm-hmm. he'll have time to work out in training camp. That's true. That's very true. And EA referred to One Jets Drive. you got to watch it. It's Essentially, an all-access series that encompasses from the end of the 2017 season till the beginning of training camp. Every Tuesday from June 19th to July 24th. How about that? You got the dates down. I just yeah. know it's all Tuesday. Yeah. So no all matter Tuesday. when you're listening and, and you right now, just watch. turn it. 
debuts on Facebook Watch at 8 o'clock each week. And also, I think we're repurposing some of that content on uh, many of our platforms, including mm -hmm. NewYorkJets.com. But the only place you can watch the episode in full every Tuesday is Facebook Watch. And there you go. So now that that's out of the way, again, that's called One Jets Drive. Let's rewind the clock here. Minicamp just happened a couple weeks ago. Let's go position by position. And we're not going to break it down fully because in a little down the road here, EA and I are going to have a training camp preview. And that seems like it's a while away, but it's really not, which is crazy to me. But nonetheless, let's recap what happened in minicamp. And minicamp is just a glorified OTA in the sense that there are still no pads. Team periods, individual periods still happen. The only difference is that players can spend more time in the building and there's more meetings behind the scenes. So from a fan's perspective, it's basically the same as OTAs, except minicamp is three days. is a three-day stretch, more hours in the building for the players. That's about it. So with that being said, EA, let's break things down, like position by position, what we learned, whatever. Yeah. Let's just start where I believe most fans want to know about is under center. And the status right now is Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold, all of whom looked very impressive at different times throughout OTAs and minicamp. You know, what, what do you? What's your read on this situation right now? I know that Josh McCown has been named starter by Coach Todd Bowles, but it seems that he's going to play whoever the best player is come September. Well, yeah, just to clarify that a little bit is that he's the starter entering training camp, and Teddy Bridgewater's the two, and Sam Darnold's the number three. But that really doesn't mean too much because Todd Bowles also said we'll see what happens at the end of training camp. What we saw throughout the spring, Greens, was Josh McCown, he got the most reps with the first-team offense, but Sam Darnold also received reps with the first-team offense, predominantly what we saw was Teddy Bridgewater getting uh, reps with the second team. The other thing that we have to clarify for fans everywhere is that when people ask myself, when people ask Ethan Greenberg, when people ask Olivia Landis, Randy Lang, and all the Jets beat reporters out there, what did they see this spring? We only saw six practices, if you include three OTAs and all three minicamp practices, but they had 10 OTAs, so you're missing seven. And I think the one day uh, the Jets didn't actually practice, so you're missing six. So you didn't even see, you saw about a half of the times mm -hmm. they were out there on the football field. But all in all, uh, Greens, I would say that uh, all the quarterbacks, from what I saw in my five times uh, being able to watch them practice, I thought all the quarterbacks had relatively strong camps. Would you say that? I think that they did. It seemed that each player had a different time, which they looked very good. So one day it was Teddy, one day it was Josh, one day it was Sam. The thing that's interesting to me is once Sam Darnold was drafted third overall back in April, everyone kind of pointed to, okay, well, how likely is it that Sam Darnold is going to start in his first year, you know, with Josh McCown as be, being a mentor and Teddy in the room as well. So reading the tea leaves now, it seems that Sam Darnold is going to have every opportunity in training camp to have that 
opportunity to go out and grab the job as starting quarterback. Now, I could be wrong about that, but what you said before when Josh is getting a lot of reps with the ones and Sam was, and Sam really had a lot of reps in minicamp and OTAs as a whole, correct me if I'm wrong or maybe if you read it differently, but it seems to me that Todd Bowles it was serious and sticking to his guns when he said, well, we're not going to throw him in there, but we're not going to hold him back either. All right, so here's the thing with Darnold. This is the thing that jumps out at you. Todd Bowles says this guy is very good at retaining information. Todd Bowles said that he does not repeat the same mistake twice. Jeremy Bates, the Jets' offensive coordinator, who was also the team's quarterback's coach, said he's doing an excellent job making the pro transition as far as taking snaps under center, and also commanding that huddle. Josh McCown has been impressed with the rookie's work ethic. There is a great chemistry inside that room. Uh, He is sudden, as Jeremy Bates said, which is something that we referred to before the draft greens, is that he can make plays off script. He has a strong arm. He is very athletic. He has impressed his teammates. Leonard Williams said he looks like a pro already. So, I mean, what I think people should do is just take a second and go back to January and say, well, this is going to be your quarterback situation in June. Just think where you were January 1st when the Jets were cleaning out their lockers after losing the New England Patriots and finishing the season 5-11. and Now, fast forward to where they're going to be in late July, where you have Josh McCown, who's re-signed, coming off a career year, uh, one of the better mentors in the National Football League. You're going to make an argument uh, as Jordan Palmer did, right, saying that if he had a draft and he were to pick a veteran quarterback to be paired with a young quarterback, he would pick Josh McCown number one overall. And, oh, by the way, Josh McCown is in fantastic athletic shape again. Then you get Sam Darnold, who a lot of people thought was going to be the number one overall selection. Of course, Cleveland Browns went to Baker Mayfield. And then finally, Teddy Bridgewater the Jets make that low-risk, potentially high-reward maneuver by signing him to a deal. I've been very impressed with him on a number of levels, including what you're seeing from Jeremy Bates' offense is a lot of rollouts. So I'll tell you what, he looks fine moving. He does. And he throws the ball. He, all, these, all these guys throw the ball very well. They Arm strength, no question here. All right, EA's impressed. So that's the quarterback situation there. Now... Let's wow, go, that's let, all let, we're going to talk about about quarterbacks? Yeah, it's just a quick review and yeah. then well, I, I want to say this, Greens, oh, okay. because I mentioned this. Uh, I was uh, uh, you did a recent interview with the the Bills guys, John Murphy, their play-by-play guy, and Chris Brown, who uh, just does a fantastic job for BuffaloBills.com. I was on their uh, one Bills Live, actually. Their show is recently. And I told him I wouldn't be surprised if any of the three started week one. If Bridgewater was out there in Detroit, it wouldn't be a crazy upset to me either. How about that one? Uh, I don't think it would be crazy either. So all three of them go go into camp. I am serious about this. All three of them go into camp with a legitimate shot at this job. And to come full circle, you're right about it. Todd Bowles is not putting any timetable on Sam Darnold. If he's ready to go. Don't put them out there week one in, in Motor City. You ever been to a a baseball game where they have one of those displays on the Jumbotron where the three yeah. trains or whatever, like one pulls ahead and you right. guess what? That's kind of how it feels to me because 
Josh McCown is the front horse, the lead horse right now. Yeah. But depending upon what happens in training camp, maybe one week it's Teddy, then it's Sam, and then only one guy can emerge week one in Detroit Monday night. So we'll see about that. Yeah, Obviously is, this that. Is, this is the Belmont, man. <laughs> we're just getting out of Ooh. We're just getting. Well, are, are you saying that because it's the, the final leg? No, I'm not I'm talking about it because we're just getting out of the gates, and this is a long trek. Oh, okay. Okay, I like that. I thought maybe you were saying because... I don't know. Oh, who's, who's my justify here? I'm no, not ready no, to no, predict no, no. a not triple crown. Your, not, not who's your justify. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a long track, and we're okay. just getting out of the gates here. All right. I like that analogy. Now, quarterbacks aside, let's talk about the running backs for a second. Obviously, it's a little difficult to decipher what happens because they're not wearing pads. And same goes for most contact positions like O-line, D-line, uh, cornerbacks too as well. But l- let's talk about this for a second here is – Running backs, you got a pretty crowded backfield right there with Isaiah Crowell, who the Jets signed in free agency, Blau Powell, Eli McGuire, and Thomas Rawls, who is a guy that had a fantastic rookie season, did some great things in Seattle, and then kind of tailed off. But he seemed like he had some nice bursts in his step, although, like I said, no pads. This is going to be a position – oh, excuse me. How could I forget Trenton Trent Cannon? Cannon. Yeah, Jets six-round draft pick, yeah. who's primarily a returner as of now, or it seems to be, but he's got some wheels. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got the most work out of anybody in the preseason. Just yeah, preseason yeah, yeah. work Pre-season, alone. I, yeah, yep. absolutely. But as it stands now is, don't you think that this is I say more it, interesting camp battles to come because it's a crowded room? Like, do you really carry four running backs? Now, listen, here's what I'll say. Is, that, is it interesting? I was. I think... The Jets, there are no stars in the group. I think it's a solid group. We always talk about Bilal Powell's production. He's the longest tenured guy in this roster, and all this guy does every year is seem to do something new and make the most out of every time he touches the ball. Stump Mitchell, the Jets running backs coach, said he kind of compared the new back in Isaiah Crowell to Paul by saying, listen, they both can run it well, they both can catch the ball out of the backfield, and they both can block. Obviously, Crowell a little bit of a bigger guy. And then behind them, Eli McGuire, speaking of Stump Mitchell, he, had some, oh my God. he said some very That's imp- some high praise. Nah, very impressive things. He made a comparison, and I think uh, Todd Bowles didn't walk that back. It's just tough uh, for coaches sometimes to make comparisons. He's, I think he was just being very complimentary to Eli McGuire, and he was just saying that here's another guy who can do a lot of things. He right, should. yeah, I, I think that's what goes overlooked is that he wasn't saying Eli is Ladanian Tomlinson. No. But for those who missed it, Stump Mitchell said Eli McGuire has Ladanian Tomlinson qualities, meaning that he can do a little bit of everything from a running back standpoint. Yeah, and he's got some explosion, too. Because right. that's what LaDainian Tomlinson was, especially early in his career, was, oh, wow, was he explosive. And he and, and listen, if you're Eli McGuire and listen to that, that's got to give you confidence. But he, you just look at those three guys, you're like, okay, well, we got a pretty good backfield. Yeah. And then you mentioned Rawls, interesting guy, because uh, uh, north-south, tough, um, you know, where does he fit into the equation? And then Trenton Cannon, like you mentioned, he's in a mix to be the returner right away. And then finally with Cannon is that Stump Mitchell said, listen, speed, 
home run hitter. He's got to learn how to change up speeds on the professional level, which means setting up blocks and things of that nature you know, very early on in his career. It's a solid group. Right. The other thing about Stump that I want to say in regard to the Ladanian Thomas and Eli comparison is if you're a fan and you're reading, like, who the heck is Stump Mitchell and what does he know? To his credit, he said that he told the same thing what he did to Elon McGuire to David Johnson before he became David Johnson because Mitchell was his coach in Arizona. So there's a bit of a, a resume there, per se, for Mitchell. But the the last thing about the running backs that I want to touch on is Rick Dennison is the new O-line coach. So historically, the Dennison scheme is a bit of more of a zone, outside zone scheme. Mm-hmm. So do you think that plays into the strengths of the of these running backs, or do you think that it doesn't matter? Obviously, Crowell's a bit of a question mark here because we haven't seen him run for his career. But how about this for a, a tidbit on Crowell? He's one of two running backs to not miss a game over the last four seasons, and the other running back is Frank Gore, who's now a Miami Dolphin. Frank, so, Frank Gore is pretty amazing. Yeah. He's still going. I think if Frank Gore is my age. Frank, Frank Gore is amazing. <laughs> yeah, for, he's... The, the fact that he comes back every season and he's healthy and he puts up numbers, it's, it's very, very impressive and I think overlooked as well. But you think that maybe for someone like Bilal and Eli, this, this is a system that fits their running style more? I, I want, uh, would I say more? No. no. I would say that they're going to be, a, a, be able to adapt to the system. Um, I, I think of the running game and I think up front. You've got to be in sync with the players up front, and I know we're going to be talking about the offensive line. I think uh, when you talk about the Jets on the ground this year is how are they going to adapt to Rick Dennison up front and how are the guys going to mesh. And you know, I, I don't want to jump the offensive line too early on the greens, but I would say that you put Bilal Powell in any system, I think he's going to be effective in the National Football League. I think Crowell is a guy who's very interesting because – he just came from a Cleveland team that was 1-31 over the last 32 games. So, you know, I would imagine Cleveland had to go away from the run a yeah. lot early in ball games. You know, one of the questions that we're going to tackle on NewYorkJets.com before training camp is, who's the guy who's going to lead the backs in terms of total yards? Who's going to be the guy who gets the most rush attempts in the backfield? Who's going to have the most yards on the ground? Because... Uh, you know, a lot of skill sets back there, but there's versatility and um, diversity, and I think uh, the Jets got a good group. Up front now, talking about the big dudes in the offensive line, I, I don't really want to touch a whole lot on them just because they can't they can't block people in minicamp and OTAs, but what I will say is that it was nice to see Spencer Long towards the end of minicamp get some team reps because in the beginning – he was only taking part in individual drills. And in minicamp, again, no starters as of now. We'll see what happens in training camp. But the offensive line up front is as you'd expect with left to right, Calvin Beecham, James Carpenter, Spencer Long, Brian Winters, and Brandon Shell. Well, the, the big thing here is there there is an addition, even though you didn't sign a new player per se, because Brian Winters was hurt in week two last year in Oakland. Uh, the groin, uh, abdomen, I guess, abdomen issue we had. He said he wouldn't wish that on his worst enemy, and he played through that for most of the season. I think you're going to see a new player at that guard position. I've always thought 
Carp has been a solid guard. Uh, Beecham at left tackle. I, I think, listen, it brings his lunch pal to work. Uh, I think he was pretty dependable out there, and Brandon Shell's still a developing guy on the right side. So what the Jets did in free agency, too, is they replenished their depth. Dakota Dozier's back. He's a guy Todd Bowles uh, lauded as far as his improvement last year. So he, he's a guy, uh, a versatile guy in the middle. Travis Swanson is a guy who greens. When I was out there, I think he was coming in maybe third at center because what the Jets were doing – when Spencer Long wasn't taking those first-team reps at center, it was Jonathan Harrison, who the Jets also resigned in the offseason. Ben Igelana back. He can play either right, yeah, right or left tackle. So, you know, you got some depth there at the position. Um, but the guy to watch, I think, for all folks, especially in the summertime, it's a, it's a key position here. And Jets fans know this better than anybody because they've been spoiled. They had... An unbelievable run from Kevin Mawai mm-hmm. to Nick Mangold. And you talked about Brian Winters there for a second, how it's an addition but without a re-signing. The same, could, the same case could be made for the wide receivers because Quincy Anunua should be back from a, neck in, from a neck injury, suffered it last year, green and white practice, and didn't play the entire season after really a breakout season in 2016. And this receiving core is not talked about often, I think, from a national perspective. But those guys are very confident in the group. And from top to bottom, you have Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse, who were the two main horses last year. Then you get Quincy Anunua back. You sign Terrell Pryor, who had a 1,000-yard season in Cleveland before an injury-plagued year in Washington last year. And then someone that's been talked about a lot since the offseason program started up is Chad Hansen. And he's looked like a different player from year one to year two. And then, of course, Ardarius Stewart, who's a second-year player. That That's a very interesting room as well. And the receivers are – I mean, we could talk about each one of those guys and even the guys we haven't talked about yet. But that's going to be a very interesting dynamic to see who who shows up when the pads are on. Robbie Anderson, to me, is an elite talent. He could become one of the finer receivers in the entire National Football League. I'm not talking about division. I'm not talking about AFC. I'm talking about uh, the NFL. He's a a unique talent. Uh, Onunwa is a guy who finally got the helmet on late in minicamp, and he's made some progress. So let's see what happens early on in training camp when the pads are popping, and let's see how his progress is taking shape. But he was a guy who I I always thought Greens was an energy guy where he can change the complexion of a game by making plays because his teammates fed off him. Likewise, the fan base fed off him. Uh, Pryor is a guy that got off to a slow start this spring because with the ankle. Um, he vows to be ready to start a training camp, like you mentioned the last time he was healthy, 2016. So the big thing for him, by the way, speaking of big, he's a monstrous guy. He, he really is. Who can run very well, is he's going to have to stay healthy. Hansen took some steps forward during the spring. Todd Bowles likes to remind us it's shorts and T-shirts out mm-hmm. there. So what's going to happen in training camp? You mentioned Stewart and there's some other veterans out there as well. But, uh, yeah, 
If you think about how far this wide receiver group has come since maybe last May or June, it's really something. And I think, you know, again, i got to go back to Anderson. I think he has elite ability, um, and maybe he can take the next step as far as being the next Jets 1,000-yard receiver. He probably is going to be it last year before Josh McCown got hurt. That's pretty big praise, EA. I, I like it. Uh, real quick about Pryor. Did you see the article about yeah, the, I got, I guess the, the Redskins Red... might be out for blood? Yeah, about that, huh? Yeah, I guess. I guess, I guess they didn't like Pryor making one-handed catches and posterizing them last year. Uh, well, That's he, what it uh, sounds like to me. I know. He, you he, can clarify. He, here's what happened. Here's what happened. There's an article that surfaced from Zach Brown, the linebacker from the Redskins that said, yeah, the, the defense is going to be real excited when the Jets come down to Virginia for that week in training camp because they want to get their hands on Terrell Pryor. Because apparently there was a no-hands rule, I guess, or they couldn't touch him. And apparently Terrell Pryor was making one-handed grabs in practice. Didn't like his showmanship. So, Well, and he's probably talking a little bit. And oh, as we noticed in minicamp, like Todd Bowles said, the Jets have about seven or eight coaches included who would be on the all-time trash-talking team. Uh, so, listen, talking is part of the game. Some guys talk, some guys don't. I guess maybe Terrell talked a little bit out there. Uh, I can't imagine feelings were that hurt yeah, about that, him making catches during practice. Yeah, that, that's hard to believe. I, but he had to have said something yeah. to, to tick so, some people off. So, whatever. We'll see what happens when we get down there. That's much to do about nothing. But, Zach Brown, keep up the work with the music. Got a good band going. <laughs> All right. Let's switch to the defensive side of the ball here. Is uh, Again, up front with the D-line, is it's hard to really say how players performed because there are no pads yet. So we could talk about right now in minicamp or what happened a couple weeks ago is that the the first team, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see them, but first team D-line included Steve McClendon, Leonard Williams, Nathan Shepard, and if it was a four down front, Henry Anderson was also involved in there. So those four guys or some combination are probably going to be up there day one, opening night, Motor City, Detroit, Monday Night Football, incomplete sentences. Leonard Williams wants to finish more this year. I thought he was disruptive last year. He's around the quarterback. He played through some injury last year, too, never complained about it. But he's taking some leadership responsibility as one might expect since he is the guy. There's no Sheldon Richardson. There's no Muhammad Wilkerson. Snacks Harrison, of course, continues to play across town. But what the Jets really did over draft weekend, and we talked about this here on the official podcast and every platform that we're on, Greens, is that they dramatically revamped that line. Let's see what Henry Anderson brings to the table. You got good value there, sending a seventh-round pick to the Colts. He said he feels healthy again, familiar with the scheme, 3-4. Nathan Shepard, third-round pick out of Fort Hayes State. Tremendous story. We'll get into that on one Jets drive. You got to check that out, folks. Uh, but uh, he's a guy who was drafted in the third round for a reason. He could play, join that rotation immediately. Todd Bowles loves his hands. 
as far as his striking ability up front. For Alonzo Fatukasi from Connecticut, a six-round pick, right, uh, for the Jets. So uh, McClendon's there, and he's kind of like yeah. he's kind of like the old savvy vet and the wise philosopher, and he did some good things playing at that nose position for the Jets. But overall, when you look at the defensive line unit, it, it's going to be fascinating to track their progress individually and as a group because it's definitely a different unit than we've seen in the past. I love the way you say Folaronzo Fadukasi because it, there always has to be some kind of dramatics to it because of the name. It's like it's like ordering uh, an Italian dish that you need to say in some form of Italian way. Well, I like it. Well, you it, know, it's never like Folaronzo Fadukasi. It's Folaronzo Fadukasi. Yes, that's correct because you know <laughs> why? Because I take a lot of pride in it because I get it because Draft weekend, I said, oh, yeah, you can call him Foley. And I said, do you want to be called Foley? And he goes, no, I'd rather be called by my name. And I said, I got you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, he, he said, people don't <laughs> even give it a shot. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I yeah, get that. that. That's respectable. But I like the way that you say it because it's always <laughs> there's always some oomph behind it. It's, yeah. not, it's never just saying, like, you know, Eric Al and Ethan Greenberg. It's Folonzo Farukas. Yes, uh, yes, Folonzo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's... <laughs> Let's move back to the linebackers now. Is Darren Lee, Avery Williamson, men in the middle there. And, yeah. again, the eyes in training camp are on the guys behind those guys because that's a bit crowded with Kevin Minter, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and Neville Hewitt. And Brandon Copeland, I think, is playing some inside, some outside. So that's another crowded room. But, again, until the running backs and the O-line and the D-line get some pads on, the linebackers can't really do much. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what's next for Lee, year three? We know the big thing that jumped out to us, I think, was that he's the guy who's going to take the defensive signals as far as that communication is concerned. So he'll have to be very vocal with his teammates. Uh, obviously, no David Harris here. No Demario Davis. Avery Williamson comes in. Um and let's see how that pairing works out. Williamson was a guy who was known for his uh, stopping the run, that prowess in Tennessee. Now he comes up north. And then an outside linebacker, I think, is, uh, you know, that's one of the spots when we look at position battles is that's going to be one for us to watch because the Jets are going to need some production on the outside, and we'll see how that all unfolds. Valuable reps. For a lot of guys this spring, because uh, Jordan Jenkins uh, a little nicked up with the shoulder, so he didn't participate out there. And because he was out, it was Josh Martin and David Bass for the majority. Lorenzo Malden seemed, it's difficult to say, but he was in the backfield a lot, and you heard a lot of oohs and ahs and props from the guys standing on the side. Bass was productive in limited time last year. I think he led the Jets with three and a half sacks. That led the team, I think, didn't it? I think DeMario led it with three oh, and a half. Oh, DeMario. But David Bass had two and a half, and he had like two sacks in his first two weeks that he came here. Is that what it was? I think so. So he's second on the team in sacks. Yeah. Okay. Also, that, also, just side note, 47 as an outside linebacker, interesting number choice. Yeah. Uh, Josh Martin. It's the, an ugly number, the, the, we'll let the, that go. The Columbia alum, I mean, he was the guy who was starting to cross from uh, Jenkins. For most of last year, Malden told our Randy Lang, "Hey, listen, you know, I know this is basically put up or shut up, uh, shut up for me. Uh, he knows it's a big camp. Uh, dealt with that back injury all last year, so we'll have to see what he brings to the table 
Brandon Copeland, a guy that came over from uh, Detroit. Actually, another Ivy League guy. I think he played collegiately in the Ivy League. So, outside line, linebacker. Pretty sure he's a U-Penn guy. Yeah. Outside linebacker is going to be fascinating um, for me because you want to see uh, a couple guys step up there. Uh, but Jordan Jenkins, I think he's just going to continue to improve. He's a solid player who's mostly going to line up across from that tight end. He's going to be your strong side linebacker. Oh, we didn't even talk about the tight ends. I forgot about them. Oh, you did? No. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Well, we always can jump back. Yeah, we'll jump back. All right. So let, let's wrap things up here with the defense with the corners and the safeties. Now, the corners, of course, it's Tremaine Johnson. Morris Claiborne didn't see a whole lot of time in minicamp because he had a, a hand injury. He was in a soft cast or in some form of cast on the sideline. And then behind him is Buster Screen, and you have Perry Nickerson. And that's another crowded room because Justin Burris and Daryl Roberts are two guys that saw a considerable amount of time the past two seasons. And then how about you get Jeremy Clark back, who hasn't even participated in training camp because he tore his ACL his senior year, and then he missed essentially his entire rookie season. Derek Jones is back. So that is a very, very crowded spot, and we haven't even talked about the safeties. There's really not much to say with secondary, and I'm not saying that to be sarcastic. I think this unit should have set its sights on being one of the top defensive backfields in the National Football League. From a talent perspective, they have it. I think Denard Wilson is a tremendous position coach, and he's really on the same page as these guys. Uh, the thing that stood out to me about Johnson is he's a monstrous cornerback. He's a big cornerback size, and he's going to bring some uh, savvy technique to the outside. He can ball hawk. He is also going to make Morris Claiborne and Buster Screen better because I think they're going to have more opportunities on the ball. Um, Jamal Adams, really, you're starting to see him become more and more of a leader. Yes, he's a trash talker, but he also is an energy guy. He wants to win. Uh, Doug Middleton benefited from Marcus May being out this spring because he was able to get those first-team reps. And the Jets made a nice signing, I thought, late after Rontez Miles went down by bringing in J.J. Wilcox, another guy with experience. Bottom line, Greens, I don't have too much to say about the secondary. I expect them to be really the strength of this team. And they can help out the pass rush because if you're playing more man on the outside and you're locking tight ends up, maybe with your safety man up, then you're going to free some rushers. You're going to help that pass rush. All right, let's jump back to offense real quick because I forgot tight ends, my bad. This is who we got right now. Jordan Leggett, Neil Sterling, Eric Tomlinson, Chris Herndon, Clive Walford. Bucky Hodges. Bucky Hodges. That's that's the situation right now. And, you know, Neil Sterling is interesting to me because... He always makes plays of practice. Yeah, that, 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 that's what he I was going to say. Granted, there were no, no pads, and Coach is the first one to point that out. But him and Eric Tomlinson are guys that, two two separate seasons, they joined the team. But Eric Tomlinson was like a waiver claim in 2016, and he's managed to carve out a little role for himself. And last year, Neil Sterling was on the team. Midseason, he came from Jacksonville, and then he was off the team. And then against the Patriots in Week 17, he had like a 40-yard completion. And since then, it just seems like the, the trend is pointing up. Jimmy and, Johnson likes this entire group. I, I will say that, and that's what it is. 
what I thought after you heard him speak to the media. So Greens, I think you look at Tomlinson, the aforementioned Tomlinson, is he is your blocker, uh, but he also can catch the football. Uh, Jordan Leggett, you know, after going down in the preseason in Detroit last year, this is a big training camp for him. Jimmy Johnson, the Jets tight ends coach, said he is a rookie uh, because he, he missed all of last year, but he's a guy who flashed with his hands at Clemson. Chris Herndon is a guy who I think the Jets like the total package as far as he can block, in-line block. He also can get out, run the patterns, run run the route tree, and pick up yards after the catch. And he made some plays in the spring. And then you mentioned some of these other guys who've had pro experience, Clive Warford and Bucky Hodges. Mm-hmm. So, it, it um, and Neil, Neil Sterling as well, because like we just talked about, he, he seems to pop on the screen a little bit. So, I don't think the Jets are a void of talent there, but how is it all going to come together? Austin Severian Jenkins made that comeback last year. He signed in the pre-offseason uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. No ASJ means more opportunities for some guys uh, here. Uh, Jimmy Johnson did say all of them can catch football. Not only tight end, but pretty much everything we talked about. It's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out because it's a different ball game when the pads come on. And for me, I think that training camp is going to be very interesting because there are so many interesting camp battles that are We didn't even talk about special teams or even like re- uh, returners. You could talk about Andre Roberts and Eli right. McGuire and uh, Trent Cannon. Yeah, you know, the, the punt returns. And, and then at kicker, there's Cairo Santos who hasn't kicked yet. Yep. And then you have Taylor Bertolette, who was a rookie minicamp tryout player that signed with the team. He was on the Rams a little bit last season, and he's got a very strong leg. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a boot. So it, it'll be interesting Santos, to see. Santos working his way back from yeah. the groin, right? Yeah, so yeah. positions head to toe, offense, defense, special teams, everything. It's going to be very interesting for me to see how it all plays out. More depth on the roster. That's one thing you can see in the spring is that, listen, there's more depth on the roster, period. You, you're starting to see Mike McKagan's vision take shape. And uh, one of the things in the past was you wonder what was going to happen in the quarterback position. Well, I, I think we're starting to see that take hold too. So I think if you're a fan, I'm not going to say it's going to be clear selling, but I, I think the roster is getting better. I think Todd Bowles is doing a nice job with his group. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be an exciting training camp. Wow, that schedule is going to be tough out of the gate. Going to Detroit, not going to be easy. Coming home against Miami, you kicked their butt opening day last year, but they should probably be a better team, I would think. On and they the, get Ryan Tannehill back. Yeah, they get and Tannehill they back. And Amendola, yeah. Albert Wilson. Well, and there you go. Then then you get a short week. you got to go to Cleveland, and you know they got high expectations for the first time in a long time. Who knows they're going to be defending against Tyrod Taylor. Two, you see uh, two primetime games in the first three weeks. Yeah, and, and then week four, you're playing against – one of the most physical outfits in the whole National Football League, Jacksonville. I mean, that's a black and blue Sunday, but at least you get 10 days to prepare for them. But three out of four out of the gate, well, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But I mean, I, We're not even in training camp. You're already looking at September and schedule. October. Hey, and uh, how about training camp this year? Remember, fans, you can go to Rutgers uh, for the Jets green and white practice. And then what breaks up training camp August this August 4th. 
what breaks up training camp this year, Greens, and I get it. Uh, some fans are disappointed because there's not a ton of open practices. That's because the Jets are going down to Richmond, Virginia to practice with the Redskins for three days before they battle with them in that second preseason game. Again, this is the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen bringing you all things Jets.